The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler. Join alongside my co-host, Aaron Murray. And Aaron, week eight is in the books. The Big Ten is back in action. We had some crazy endings in the SEC. And overall, just a great weekend of enjoyable college football. Be sure to follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11 and as always, head on over to puntandpass.com. We put up our punt, pass, and pick, which I gladly was back on track with a nice little 4-1 weekend against the spread. Mm-hmm. Aaron, you were 1-4. We, we got to get that back. Yes. Uh, most importantly, though, you lost your lock. You were very confident in Kentucky-Mizzou going over 47. They ended up going under by a mile. The final score, 20-10, yeah. to 10, only 30 points. And I pushed mine. So we stopped the bleeding. We're taking a week off. I wanted the under in Alabama and Tennessee. And, of course, it ended right on 65, which is what Vegas thought it would. Unbelievable how good they are. But, man, um, good to see the Big Ten back. And you know what I really enjoyed? Friday night Big Ten action. Wisconsin played Illinois. We got a new Wisconsin quarterback, Aaron. Let's start right there. Your boy Mertz goes 20-21 for 248 yards and five touchdowns do we have a new qb lover in the aaron murray love well, triangle it's, it's, i don't want to love on him if he has COVID. So yes right explain now. that i'm gonna have, i'm gonna have to stay away for him and, until he gets that uh that negative test and 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 you were obviously hoping for his safety you know never want anyone to have COVID. you just don't know how some people react to it hopefully he's if he does have it he's able to you know heal up and, and be fine but you know with the rules in the big 10 he'll be out for 21 days so that I mean, that's is... three games which is crazy i mean he'll be when he comes back, half the season will be over yes. in that league. So you want to talk about being on a high of highs, going what he did. And it wasn't just dinks and dunks. I mean, he was throwing posts, goes. I mean, he was letting that thing rip, too. You know, so much of, of college football nowadays is this RPO. So bubbles and slants and quick hitches and getting the ball to the quarterback's hand. So you look at the completion percentage, you're like, oh, damn, he must have had a great game if you didn't watch it. And if you do watch it, like, oh, no, it's just dinks and dunks. I mean, now we can see why he was throwing 65% plus. Not this weekend, though. Not for Wisconsin. I mean, like I said, they were letting that thing rip. So the fact that he was able to complete so many balls uh, against Illinois, and that's, I mean, listen, that's hard to do on air. Yes, yes. What he was able to do. So big props to him. Um, Really enjoyed everything about his game over the weekend or on Friday night. And and, and like I said, I'm just hoping that Tess comes back negative just for his sake, for the sake of his football team, um, and, and hopefully he can play. But if not, still a great performance. And, 
you know, well, we'll see what happens in Wisconsin either way. Yeah, Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz had a record-setting first career start. He then tested positive for COVID-19 over the weekend. That was an antigen test. So now Mertz will take a PCR test to confirm the result. If the result is confirmed per Big Ten protocols, Graham Mertz has to sit out for 21 days. That is, of course, three games, including the Michigan game. And Michigan looked very well. They beat up on Minnesota in a primetime Big Ten clash. He was 20-21, Aaron. Unbelievable. Five touchdowns. He almost broke the record for completion percentage in a single game. Do you know who has the record for completion percentage in a single game? What's the minimum amount of throws? Um, I would assume 20, maybe. I don't know. But regardless, who me, has the NCAA team. record? I can't give you the team because then you'll know. Give me the team. I'll let you know he's in the SEC. NCAA record for completion percentage in a single game. Give me give me either a team or a year. One of the two. 2015. 2015. Was it Tua? No. no. Not Tua wasn't there. Then what am I thinking, Tua? 2015, who was a quarterback in 2015? Holy smokes. I don't know. Get time. <laughs> Grayson Lambert from the University oh, of yeah, Georgia. I, I was at that football game, actually. He set the NCAA yep. record for completion percentage in a game by completing 24 or 25 passes, 96% for a career mm. high, 330 yards and three touchdowns when they beat up on South Carolina. So Grayson Lambert getting a shout-out on punt and pass. Pretty unbelievable debut for Graham Mertz. Hope that uh, positive COVID test comes back negative and he can continue to do what he's doing. Let's stay in the Big Ten for just a minute. Ohio State, you know, I thought they looked great. Justin Fields, I mean, he's an absolute stud, Aaron. A little bit of a slow start, but I think more so it was Nebraska looking good and Nebraska being ready to play. And then Ohio State just turned on the Jets in the second half, as you would expect them to. As a Georgia alumni... Is the decision now, of course, we're in a completely different spot than we were two years ago. But was the decision to ride with Jake Fromm and let Justin Fields go, right? He transferred. We all know what happened. It's not like Kirby kicked him out. It's not like Georgia did not want him anymore. He transferred. He left. He got immediate eligibility, as most people know, what he did and what he said to get that. Is that decision to let Justin Fields walk? going to curse Georgia moving forward. You watch the game and you go, he should be at Georgia right now. I, I, I still go back to the original decision. I mean, I just don't know what you do mm-hmm. because you do I agree. Best Jake Fromm. I mean, just, yeah. I, what, what is Kirby supposed to do in a situation? You have a kid that's the leader of the football team, a kid that just took you to the national championship game. Do you bench him I agree for with a you. freshman? I, I agree I, with listen, you. No, one, no one's going to argue that Justin Fields more talented, but there's a lot that goes in the quarterback playing. At the time, Jake was playing well. Jake led him to a natty. Jake led him to a Rose Bowl victory. How do you bench that? You can't. How do you? And, you then, and, and it's just so hard to play two quarterbacks. It really is. To, to be able to satisfy both guys at the end of the day. And, and I'll go back to my original statement when I said a few years ago, Justin should have never come to Georgia in the first place. Yeah. Yep. If he was expecting to start over Jake Fromm, who did everything that he could in, in his freshman year. He he was out of his mind. I don't care how talented you are. Jake did way too much yes. to be on the bench. So um, it was just an unfortunate situation. I don't blame Kirby. It just, I guess I don't think the kid should have even suited up for Georgia uh, to begin with because he knew he was never going to overtake Jake Fromm. So it's a tough decision all around. He's in a great space. And, and as obviously as Georgia fans, I, 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 
I'm not going to bitch and moan about it. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy him playing quarterback for Ohio State because, I listen, you can't go back and turn the clocks. All you can do is watch and appreciate great football. And, and when you watch him at Ohio State, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get great, really, really damn good football. I mean, the kid, from when I saw him as a freshman in spring ball to what he's doing right now, throwing the football is is tremendous. Yeah. I mean, we all know he's a big kid. He can run. But his pocket movement, his pocket awareness, his ability to have touch on the football uh, has really escalated his game to another level. There's no doubt. I mean, he is elite. He will be a Heisman finalist. And you said it best. If he wanted to start as a true freshman, Georgia was not the place for him. He put himself through that. Obviously, it was a great recruiting job by the Georgia coaches. Anytime you can get the number two overall five-star recruit. Remember, he was behind Trevor Lawrence, both kids from Georgia. Um, Just unbelievable. But, of course, in the most Georgia fashion, all fans will watch Justin Fields absolutely shred the Big Ten and go, he should be with us. And I just want to make one more statement okay, about Georgia's quarterback predicament that they're in right now. Heading into week nine, they're going to play Kentucky. A lot of question marks still after what happened against Alabama. I just want to say this, and I, I truly believe this. Jamie Newman transferred to Georgia right after Jake Fromm declared for the NFL draft. It seemed like that was set in stone. He was going to be the starting quarterback. On a sleepy Friday in March or April, News broke that JT Daniels was transferring to Georgia. JT, a five-star himself. JT started at Southern Cal. The dude was an elite quarterback by all measures. Why? You got to think that Kirby and the coaching staff thought in their mind, maybe this is not the right situation. Maybe we should get a little insurance policy and bring in JT Daniels. For whatever reason, again, we talked about this at length, JT has not seen one snap. Something else is happening. That's clear. He hasn't seen one snap. If he were ready and cleared and ready to play, he would have been in a football game by now. I don't know what's going to happen this week, Aaron. I don't know who's going to play. Are they going to rotate the quarterback? Is DeWan going to get another shot? Can JT be healthy enough to get in against Kentucky? Or is Stetson going to get back on track, which probably will happen because, as you saw this past weekend, Kentucky is not as good as their victory over Tennessee led on. So do you want to add anything to my thoughts there? I just think this is getting blown way out of proportion. Kirby clearly recruited JT Daniels to transfer, I think, with the thought that JT might be his guy in 2020. Yeah, and also maybe that the, they, they recruited him as well to think that, hey, this kid's coming off an ACL injury, get him in, and then he'll be the guy once Jamie leaves yep. the NFL after this year. So uh, more so 2021, kind of see what he has. So listen – I'm going to stick with my my statement. If this kid was good enough to start, he would have started by now. There's no question about it. There is something else going on, whether it's uh, health, whether it's he's not as good as we thought he was. Maybe he's not as good as the coaches thought he was. Something else is going on um, with with JT. So, you know, who knows what happened this week in practice? Maybe I'm sure he got a lot more reps, had more of an opportunity to be with the ones possibly – uh, and we'll see what we do, you know, what Georgia does this week as they head into the football game. But I anticipate Stetson to continue to be the guy. Likewise. Uh, listen, Stetson played great all but one football game. You know, you can't expect a kid who is the fifth string to show up and, and dominate every single game this season in an all-SEC schedule. Completely unrealistic. The kid's going to have some ups and downs. He had his downs versus Alabama, the number two team in the country, on the road. That's a tough place to play. Um, give him some slack and let's see what he can do this weekend. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if they, if, if, if they do get up big, which, 
you know, they're, the way Kentucky's playing offensively and the way Georgia's defensively, they can really roll this game this yeah. weekend. You know, maybe they're up in the big in the second half, uh, and then maybe you just throw JT out there just to make the fans happy and see what he can do. No, I totally agree. Um, it'll be interesting to see. We're clearly going to break all that down and preview that game later on this week. I want to touch on two more things in the Big Ten. I can't believe I'm talking this much Big Ten football, but it was pretty good. Quickly, I thought Joe Milton looked really good for Michigan. It seems like he's going to be able to open up their offense. He was effective through the air. He was efficient through the air, and he also extended plays on the ground. I believe he had over 80 rushing yards or 60 rushing yards with a touchdown. Excuse me, 52 rushing yards on eight carries with a touchdown, and he passed the ball well, 15-22, 225, a touchdown. You know, that sort of efficiency, that sort of ability to extend the play, open up that offense, could prove to be very good for Michigan, but I will withhold my, I guess, optimism for the Wolverines until they continue to move forward. But a great start for Jim Harbaugh. I said it last week. That was a game he needed to win to say, we're taking a step forward in 2020. It's different, but we're doing what we need to do. And then Aaron, the Indiana-Penn State ending. What a football game. Okay. What did you think about that last call? Because, I mean, listen, it's 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 bang-bang. Yes. And, and it's, 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 it's you, you make the decision – uh, you have to find a way to overturn the decision that was on the field, and obviously on the field called touchdown. And it, to me, there's just a lot of variables to look at to yep. then go back and say that it wasn't uh, what the call was on the field. That wasn't you, you're not going to overturn it. So it sucks for Penn State. But I mean, what a gutsy call! Oh first my and then God. what a play! Unbelievable play! Out. I mean, we saw some amazing catches this week. I don't know if you saw the Ohio State kid catch the ball in the back of the end zone. That defied. That Everything that I know about gravity or yeah, human he energy. Going, he was literally about a, a yard and a half out of bounds and somehow was able to then stop midair, catch it, and then get his right foot. His trail it. foot. Yeah. Um, some crazy plays. That, that was unbelievable. It was crazy too, but you just got to sit back and, and appreciate it. And unfortunately, the camera angles weren't extremely great. I think there was another camera angle I heard that came out yesterday. That showed it a little bit better, but you know, that's Sunday. That wasn't Saturday. They didn't have that one. It was from like some random camera dude that was on the sideline. Um, But uh, it sucks for Penn State, especially in this kind of season. But you know, I got to give props to Indiana. And like I said, what a ballsy call to to go for two there uh, and then be able to convert it in that kind of fashion. No question. So, so let's quickly describe how we got there, okay? And I had Penn State minus six and a half in a fun weekly pool that I do. So at the end of the fourth quarter. Indiana was kicking ass all game long, and from a stat sheet perspective, they should not have. I believe Penn State had like 480 total yards of offense, and Indiana had like 200. Penn State missed three field goals and turned the Mm -hmm. ball over three times, yet they came all the way back. They were winning 21-20 to as time was winding down in the fourth quarter. Penn State took the bait, and the running back ran into the end zone when Indiana clearly wanted them to score. And if he took a knee, Aaron, the game was over. The game was over, literally, and Penn State was going to win 21-20 to in regulation. He didn't. He went into the end zone. I thought I had a cover because they were up 27 or 28-20. to And then Indiana got the ball back and unbelievably marched down the field and kicked a field goal, right, or scored a touchdown and a two-point conversion to push the game into overtime. Then in overtime, they trade scores, and Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback reaches out, somehow keeps his body in bounds. He probably lunged from the four or five yard line, and the ball seemingly simultaneously hit the pylon and the out of bounds. Here's what I thought. 
I thought the ball was clearly out of bounds. I yeah. did not think the ball broke the plane. Like you said, bang, bang, play. The ref puts his hands up for a touchdown. It's then hard to overturn the call. I talked to a friend of ours, Aaron, Sam Schwartzstein, who was a former guest during the Quarantine Chronicles. Sam was the director of football operations for the XFL. Remember, the XFL did a great, great job of trying to fix officiating, try to create transparency in officiating. They fired an official after a bad call in a game. Amen. I love that sort of accountability. What Sam told me was this, though. He said, and remember, who broadcasted the XFL? It was Fox and ESPN. He said Fox brings six less cameras to a game day production than ESPN does. Hence, no goal line view. It's a shame that there's no goal line view. Just set up a camera. Goal line view should be there on both sides of the field, on both ends of the field for every single game. I think that would have helped this situation, but there are still shots. And this is one picture that will probably be, you know, of 2020 college football. This picture will show up on that montage. Man, I thought the ball was out of bounds. Penn State got hosed. I'll never feel bad for Penn State. It was an unbelievable play by Michael Penix Jr., But the fact is this, okay? I watched Booger McFarlane after the game, and I tweeted this out, Aaron. Uh, It was on ESPN. I watched Booger McFarlane sit there and go, these decisions have consequences. These decisions have people's jobs on the line. Well, Well, yeah, but guess whose job is not on the line? The referee who makes the call. The referee who watches the replays that we're all watching and still gets it wrong. Yet he gets to go be a lawyer for the rest of the week, Go be an insurance agent. Go be an accountant. Show up in Ann Arbor next Friday. Have a great steak dinner with his buddies. Go to the game on Saturday. Have some fun. Collect a paycheck and do it all over again. There is zero transparency and zero accountability, and that's where my issue lies with referees. Okay, I complain about it in a Georgia game. I complain about it in a high school game. I complain about it in the NFL. It's not about my teams getting hosed. It's about everybody getting hosed. And I believe there needs to be reform. Hashtag defund referees. Follow me on Twitter at Drew Butler. I'm starting it, Aaron. We well, need to automate just it. Make, them, make, them, make it a full-time gig. Yes. Something. You know, that, that, that way they're not doing their side hustles during the week. That they're, you know, training, doing something um, to, to, to make sure that these calls. But listen, I, calm down the referees just a little bit. You know, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> these plays happen really darn fast. And if you don't have the camera angles and then go back and review it, then you're really handcuffing these guys. I mean, to have six less angles, to not have cameras on the goal line. Uh, if you don't have the best view, you know, in, in that instance, when you're on the sideline, you're watching that play, it's hard to tell. Like if I'm a referee, live action, I don't know if that's in or not. So you make a call hoping that you can go back and reverse it if you need to based yeah. on the cameras that are available. Unfortunate for them that they didn't have six cameras that maybe they thought they would have had if ESPN was there. So that just sucks. And then and you can blame Fox a little bit, maybe even more than the <laughs> Very true. at the end of the day, because it happens so damn fast. You're yeah. trying to look at a knee. You're trying to look at a ball. You're yeah. trying to look at the pie line all in like, bam, like that. So, you know, maybe less on the referee on this call, maybe more on Fox for not having the camera angle to help assist these referees to go back and make the call. So, I'm going to support our guys a little bit more. <laughs> you know, I just, I don't like the excuse of, guys on the street. I don't like the excuse of it's hard. You know, it's it fast. Hard. Well, come on. Everything. Life's hard. 
Let, let's help these guys well, out a little bit, that, like you said. Help them out a little bit more. Put I some agree. More cameras in there. I agree. All right, let's move into the SEC. A couple things here, and then we'll wrap this quick episode of Punt and Pass up. Um, biggest news of the weekend in the SEC: Jalen Waddle out for the season mm. at Alabama. Alabama is so elite. Tennessee was no match for him. That was pretty clear. Um, Mac Jones, this dude, I said it before the season, Aaron. Mac Jones, best returning quarterback in the SEC. He is proving that to be true. But Jalen Waddell takes the opening kickoff out of the back of the end zone against Tennessee. Um, just this kind of standard roll tackle on special teams that you see all the time. And his trail ankle got rolled up on and looked bad. Here's the thing, though. The halftime interview by Nick Saban. What did you think, Aaron? He goes out there and says to Jamie Uridol for CBS Sports, yep, Jalen's out for the year. We lost him. You know, he's a fantastic player. We trust his judgment. It's sad to lose somebody like that for the season, but you shouldn't be taking a football out from that deep in the end zone. He could have left that part out. It is true, but he he followed it up by saying, Jalen is a fantastic, he's an elite player, and we trust his judgment. I think he's catching some flack for that, but in the end, Nick Saban is God. Nobody's going to say anything to his face. Yeah, listen, it's it's it is judgment. I mean, if you don't want him to return it, then you need to make make it more you know more strict of a rule saying, listen, if it goes in the end zone, you need to call fair catch and or let that thing bounce and let's get the ball to twenty five yard line. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, he is an elite player. You put him on special teams because of that. You put him on special teams because he has a way to flip the field on both punt and kickoff return. So. You can't you can't fault the kid. You put him out there. If you don't if you were scared of a risk of injury to your best player, Amen. don't put him on special teams. Just I keep agree. him in the receiving position. So you need to take some ownership in that as well um, by putting him out there on special teams. And it's unfortunate, you know, and 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 they had some backups that come in came in there and did their thing. And you know, I'm not too worried about Alabama, even though they lost their best receiver. They got plenty of studs out there. And at the end of the day, if you want to, just run the football. Yeah. Give the ball to Najee behind that offensive line, and instead of winning by 30 or 40 points, you'll win by 25 points. So maybe it's not going to be as uh, crazy of a, a stat line, but you're still going to win games because you got an elite offensive line, you got a great running back, physical running back, uh, and then the defense played well once again this past weekend besides a couple deep balls that, that Garantano was able to connect on down the field. So a great win. Um, and Tennessee right now, you know, it's two and three. We've talked about their schedule. Yep. Things get a little dicey. People calling out Jeremy Pruitt. We'll see if they're able to kind of, you know, bounce back after a, a rough three weeks. And it wasn't a terrible game by Tennessee at all. No, I mean, they Alabama kept fighting. Elite. Alabama's yep. elite. And there's nothing you can do going against those guys. Yeah, Alabama wins that game 48-17. to 17. I agree with you. It sucks that they lost Jalen Waddle, especially right before a bye week. You know, you think he gets out of that game, rests up, yeah. and they're ready to rock and roll for the second half of this shortened season. But it's just reload for the Alabama receiving core. I think those guys know it. Next man up, they're all four and five stars. Mac Jones is dealing. They're going to be just fine, but it sucks that we won't see Jalen Waddle continue to make those electric plays. For the rest of the season. Um, the Auburn Ole Miss. I, I said this was going to be the best game of the SEC weekend. It ended up being that. Special teams was absolutely horrible throughout the entire game. But at the end of the game, there was a kickoff. It was short. Auburn's return man ran up. Then he backed off. The ball went into the end zone. Ole Miss recovered it. Referee calls a touchback. You watch the review. Clearly, the ball touched the Auburn player's fingers. Ole Miss recovered it. It should have been a touchdown for Ole Miss. This game should have been tied at the end of the game. There was no review. They would have been up by 14 points. Yeah, I know. 
I, but but at the, at the end of the game, I mean, they lost by seven points is what I'm saying. No, but I'm saying they would have been up by 14. Yes. They were up. They were up. Yes, and then 14, Bo Nix made the unbelievable pass to Seth Williams. Catch and run. Less than a minute left. There was no review on the field. I, I was shocked. And you heard Tom Hart and Jordan Rodgers and Cole Kublik talking about it. There's no review. Why aren't they reviewing it? Why just is this- review it. That's why it's there, man. Use it. If, if there's a review, you know, I know they want to speed the game up. That is an issue. I mean, shoot, I had a game this weekend, um, and, and my game was over four hours long. Oh. And there was probably about seven or eight reviews, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, but listen, if you're going to review, the goal is this year, unless it's like a, a game-defining play – Make it within a minute. Boom, boom. We're in yeah. and out. We review it. Get the opinion from guys upstairs. You make a call, and then you live with it. Unless it's a game decision like this one, which would have maybe probably taken a little bit longer, but still, you saw the pinky move. It's clear. How long it would have taken to be able to see a pinky bend backwards, for goodness sake. That doesn't happen with it. Win. Easy call. In and out. A minute, minute and a half. Uh, touchdown. And, you know, Ole Miss wins that football game. So, once again, this is the second time that Auburn has – because of bad officiating, oh. so now I'm gonna jump. There you go, join the crew. Come on, uh, is, is is two games in the win column, and they should have two games in the loss column against both. Shoot, they should have three games in the loss column because <laughs> Kentucky. Go back to week one. Yeah, yeah. That was a touchdown that gets screwed by Kentucky too, heading into halftime. Yeah. So it's three calls for Auburn this year that is determined three games. Two of them definite losses. Kentucky, who knows what happens in the second half, but. You know, Auburn's just living right, man. Uh, Somehow these dudes are just living right. But Bo Nix did play well. Yes. Give him credit. Yes. His ability to bounce back from a rough week the week before, people doubting him, arguments with his receivers on the sideline. He played well. Seth Williams is an absolute animal on the outside. Ole Miss sucks on defense. We all know that. Um, good football game, though. I give it to it you. Was it, it was. It was a really good football game. But once again, Auburn just escapes with just, just pure luck. Gus Malzahn has more lives than a cat. Uh, credit to Chad Morris for getting Bo Nix comfortable early in the game. You and I talked about that late last week, said that's going to be the most important thing, and they have to run the football. Tank Bigsby's 24 carries, 129 yards, and two touchdowns. They did everything needed, and that last throw to Seth Williams, the catch and run, was phenomenal. Ends up winning them the game. The icing on the cake, though, Aaron, for that non-call is that the SEC officiating office in Birmingham said after the game that would have stood as a touchback give me a break that is them just trying to cover it's unbelievable the incompetency it is unbelievable wild game lsu beat south carolina 52 to 24 tj finley great debut looks like there could be some trouble in paradise down there in baton rouge miles brennan um ed orgeron says after the game miles is still our starting quarterback i don't know about that no i would keep i would keep i listen i thought he played well um i don't think he was Better than than Miles Brennan. I'll okay. be honest with you right now. Listen, it was a very simple game plan early on. A lot of RPOs, a lot of inside throws. I thought South Carolina looked terrible in the back end. I mean, that was a position to me. South Carolina he had a huge advantage, and and you know LSU secondary played great. I thought uh, really good, and South Carolina's did not. Too many pass interferences, yeah. too many missed tackles, too many guys running wide open. I mean, early on it was just easy throws to get Finley involved, get him feeling good in the game. He took some shots later on, but. I don't think so. I, I think if Miles Brennan is healthy, based on what I've seen this year, you go with Miles uh, going forward. Be interested to see what happens. And LSU obviously feeling a little bit better after two horrible losses. But 
Um, we'll see what happens there, and especially with South Carolina, too, because they had some positive momentum. Last thing, Missouri beats Kentucky 20-10. to 10. Kentucky looked anemic. They looked awful. Uh, Mark Stoops was dejected after the game. Eli Drinkwitz, 2-2 two and two in the SEC in his first season. Two big wins. Got to give them credit. Georgia gets ready to face off against Kentucky this weekend. Florida plays Mizzou, and we will obviously touch on all that later in the week. Anything on the way out, my man? Glad to have you back in Atlanta after your travels yep. out to Reno, Nevada. Yeah, um, just more good football, man. It was yeah, good to have great. Some, some more conferences playing. It was great. The Big Ten, I thought, was really fun it's to awesome. watch the weekend. Great football games. I mean, go back to Wisconsin, how well they look Friday night. And then the, the matchups we had through the weekend – uh, there's some fun, exciting Mountain West games. I mean, I had the one that went into overtime. That yeah, was a great Long game. game, but fun game. And uh, it's just going to keep getting better and better. And then the positive thing, I forgot who 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 sent the tweet out over the weekend. Um, someone you love. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. Works for CBS. Holy smokes. But I think like 45 games were played and only one cancellation. Oh, like Danny Cannell. So, yeah, Danny Cannell. Yeah. So, you know, we're getting these games in. Yeah. So for all the negative Nancy's out there, these kids are finding a way to make it happen. So big props to them, the coaches, ADs, everyone involved to, um, you know, continue, you know, fingers crossed that we continue to have a season. So yeah. as of right now, guys are doing the right thing. So we just hope that that continues. Yeah, they're not going to cover the positive news. So don't even look for it. And don't look now. But the Cincinnati Bearcats, number seven in the nation, 4-0. and They're undefeated in the AAC, so we'll see what happens because there's going to be a lot of attrition between those top six teams. They are set, a lot of them are set to play each other in the coming weeks. Like you said, Aaron, great to have the Big Ten back. All the fun weekend of college football, and we will get everybody dialed in for week nine later on this week. For Aaron, I'm Drew. Follow us on social media at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. He's at Aaron Marie 11 Go to puntandpass.com. We will talk to you later on this week. See you.